Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, I give you thanks for this day that you have made. You're still extending your mercy and your grace to those who have yet to decide to make you Lord and Savior. So we pray for your word this morning that it would be the call of God upon the hearts of men and women and children in the last days. Father, you have made perfect provision for men since day one. You created man in your image and likeness and you placed them in a garden. The devil was astute and was crafty and cunning and able to deceive your man and woman away from the purpose of God. So we pray that in these last days that we not be deceived by the cunningness and the craftiness of Lucifer. We pray that we might be attentive to your word, that we not despise your word, that we welcome your word into our hearts so that we not miss the mark and sin against you. We pray that your word this morning would be purposeful and deliberate, that it would be weighty and cause us to move in a direction consistent with your heart, with salvation, with deliverance. We pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts, that your word would be a double-edged sword, sharp, that it would divide between the emotions and the spirit that we might discern the times and walk in the ways that honor you with our lives, our families. Father God, that this church would be a reference in the last days, that we speak truth and love, causing men to move in your direction. Forgive us our sins. Lord, wipe our offenses. Allow us to participate in the godly things through your goodness. Father, that your word not return void, that it produce fruit and a harvest that glorifies you. Plant your seed in the hearts that are fertile soil for this word. We glorify you and we celebrate you this Sunday service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As I look on the landscape of today's world, I could say that if there's no shepherds, There would be no flock of the Lord. The instrument that God will use, the vessel that God will use in the last days are men that God has called who have not chosen this calling. The Bible says that the priesthood is not something that somebody runs for office. You're not elected into the priesthood. You're not voted in. It's a call of God. Uh, It's been considered by men who hold serious office to be the most dangerous calling upon the earth to any man because the devil is making the shepherds of the Lord his target in the last days. In fact, the Bible says that in the last days, many false shepherds and messengers and prophets will arise. In other words, the devil has to embody a fake existence of those who will be speaking. So we see on the landscape of today, many come in the name of the Lord. And their desire is to deceive many. So if you're going to have the nexus to receive from the Lord, you have to free yourself from the climate of confusion and chaos. The Bible says that in the last days, this is the character of men in Jude chapter 1 verse 12. They will be hidden reefs. If you ever navigate on a boat and you see that you're you're traveling on a ship, underneath the water there are shadows. And that's what the Bible's talking about with these spots. These the, the, the translation is the hidden reefs that are under the water, and the only thing they're good for is to shipwreck those that are navigating. So be careful with the shady, shifty characters 
that are not properly representing the house of God. These are spots, hidden reefs amongst your love feast. While people are banqueting, celebrating what God is doing, there is an underlying uh, a roof, uh, uh, what, what is called like a rocks that are under the surface that serve for your shipwreck. They feast with you, but they're not walking in any reverence. They're, they, they go along with us, but having the opportunity to speak to us, it's not for encouragement. It's not for empowerment. It's not for strengthening. It's actually to shipwreck us in our faith. And so as we navigate in the last days and we're talking about how God will fulfill his purpose upon creation, what he created since the beginning. The Bible says that there will be love uh, spots in your love feast. They will come and gather with you, but without reverence because their priority and their interest is serving only themselves. You'll see that when they are not being able to receive what their best interest in, they're not interested in the work of the Lord. They are easily removed, and, and we see them constantly. Uh, one of the women that came here many years ago, she looked over the landscape of our church and found nobody to gossip with. So she said, this is not a fun church. I'm going to go to another church where I could be in the gossip. And so another woman came here, and she was seeing that uh, she wasn't attended to her priorities. She left also because she didn't find opportunity to serve anyone but herself. Uh, another woman would come, and she tried to uh, speak against the leadership of the church, and nobody paid attention. So she found no room for her flesh to indulge. She also left. The Bible says they're serving only themselves. The character of men in the last days is a selfish existence. How can you be in a church with a thousand men and women and find no opportunity but to focus upon yourself? That is a sad existence. And you will be well accompanied in hell with the devil because he only serves himself. And you are following in his nature. We talked about this on Wednesday. The ambush, the great ambush by self. You don't want to be self-centered and self-led and me, myself, and I. There's no room for that in the body of Christ. These who serve only themselves, the Bible says, are clouds without water. What's that mean? They look like Christians, but they refresh no one. They look like they're coming from provision. It's been raining a lot in Miami these last couple of days, and everything is flooded, inundated by the substance of what has dropped. One of the, uh, my sons yesterday said, Dad, I can't believe that these clouds hold so much water. What a blessing it is when a cloud comes over a city and refreshes it with the dew of heaven. The Bible says in the last days, there'll be many puffed up. I've been a Christian for 20 years. My friend, dispense with the provision you've been given. No, I'm a cloud without water. I'm a fake. I'm a phony. I'm false. The Bible says not only are they a cloud without water, that means they produce nothing. They They've refreshed no one. They're carried along by the winds. All they do is wherever the wind blows, that's where they flow. And so we're looking for men that are not unstable, inconsistent. The Bible says these are like autumn trees without fruit. What a curse. In the time of the harvest, when it should be that they're giving forth fruit, there's no fruit on the trees they are clouds without water they are hidden reefs they are autumn trees without fruit twice dead and uprooted that means that they're not they have no roots system 
here in South Florida is the palm trees that withstand the hurricane storms. Why? Because they have deep root systems and it doesn't matter the winds that blow, the hurricanes that come in, after all is said and done, they remain because their roots are deep. Let's go to verse 13. The Bible says that men in the last days will be like the waves of the sea. And I grew up in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and we see the waves come in and the waves go out. And all they do is it's a big bunch of foam. There's no substance. And we have said for years here at Spring of Life, we don't want to be a trendy, fashionable, latest uh, foaming. You grab a Coke bottle and you, you exercise, you gyrate, and all of a sudden the foam comes in. But when the foam is gone, there's nothing. We don't want to be part of the here we are, here we're not. We want to be the lasting remnant of the substance of God upon the earth. We don't want to be like waves that come and go. The Bible compares a character of man in the last days, wandering stars. The stars in the old days were immovable so you could journey based on their reference. That's how the three wise men were able to find the Messiah. If, if the stars move and they shine, you're like... Here she is, there she's gone, where is he? Well, he's not here no more. I used to be, I'm not no more. These are wandering stars. You cannot trek life with the wandering stars. Again, these are the expressions in the Bible of the character of men in the last days. They are hidden reefs. They are clouds without water. They are autumn trees without fruit. They are waves of the sea that are tossed to and fro. They are like wandering stars. All these are headed for a reservation they have. They don't even know. They made reservations in the black darkness, the gloomy dungeons of hell forever. Now, now these are very powerful words, and they're not being preached from the pulpit there's all manner of men and women that walk in this character of instability unfaithfulness unreliable they're characters that you could not even follow you there's no footprints leading in the right direction and yet the bible says that they are destined to a place reserved forever in the black darkness, the deep dungeons of hell. And, and we have to understand this is not a caricature. Anything that we could speak about these places are terrible, terrible destinies and futures. And the Bible warns us of this. Now, this is not where God has created man. The Bible says in Revelations 3.21 that man was destined to sit upon the throne of God. This is what Jesus says, he who overcomes. That means the full, the full expression of God's purpose for every man and woman is to overcome that means it doesn't matter the obstacle, doesn't matter the situation, the circumstance. These men are championing. That's what they are. The man that God created is a champion. To do what? To be granted to sit down with Jesus on his throne. The call of God for your life is not temporary pleasures of earthly glory. So that's why the Bible says, don't be distracted. Don't allow the devil to define eternity by the, the, the small, brief glimpse of earthly existence. And there's some people that are seeing this clearly where they're headed. They're headed to sit on the throne with Jesus as he overcame he taught, he, he lived a life as an example for men. As he was able to do it, to sit down with his father on his throne. So this is not something that is new, a new uh, herald, like they used to say, read it, read it, read all about it. 
This is not something new. This is what God destined for man since the beginning. As we read Psalm 8, verse 3, the psalmist says like this, when I see and consider your heavens, you, you cannot see the creation of God and be so short-sighted that you don't understand the greater context of man's existence. We're not limited to earthly pursuit and possessions. In fact, if you, your greatest expression upon the earth is what you could get here upon the earth, and we talked about this on Wednesday, in the ambush by self, we read Ecclesiastes 2 where he says, I did everything earth had to do and I was empty and I hated life and I hated my labor and I hated the expression of my existence. Why? Because he had a short-sightedness. He wasn't seeing long-term the purpose of God. When the psalmist says, I consider the heavens, he was looking up to the universe, the work of your fingers, talking about God creating all things, even the moon and the stars. Some earthly existence are observing created things by man. They're like, wow, what a, what a building, what a company, what incredible expression. Well, no, the psalmist was looking at the universe, the moon, the stars, the sun, which God had put in their place. He says, in the light of all this greatness, He's just talking about if you stand at the Grand Canyon in Arizona, you'll see how small we are as men. We're like little ants in comparison. You jump on an airplane, you just go up 30,000 feet up high and look down, we're like ants. And God has put man upon this earth with greater purpose, which I pray God will let you see today. Verse 4, he says, then I ask, what is man? What, why is man so important in the vast expanse of creation? Man is a puny little insignificant worm, an ant compared to the great things. Why have you thought about him? And, and then God's faithfulness is, and the son of man, that you are attentive to visit him that you care about him. In verse five, he says, yet you have made him a little lower than God. You, you have put him in a position that is under God and you crowned him with glory and majesty. This is why man does not conform to a wasteful existence. There, there's high and lofty desire for men. Verse 6, he says, you made him to have dominion. Listen to me. Man was created to rule. So that is why God is perfecting man's character because when a man is immature, he is a selfish ruler. He thinks only about himself. That's not what God created. He made man to rule over all the works of his hands and put all things under his feet. This is why it's a shameful existence to not be able to rule himself. He, God created man to rule over all things, and yet his confusion is that he can't even rule upon his own thoughts. He can't even lord upon his own desires. You see that God subjected the tobacco tree and the cigarettes rule a man's character. He, he caused them to, to sow the sugar cane and yet rum and alcoholism ruins men's lives because they're not able to govern themselves. All things created, marijuana and cocaine, now become man's addiction and man's ruin and man's destruction because he's not able to govern his own life. The Bible says, um, verse 7, you have placed him over the sheep and the oxen and the beast of the field. You have given him responsibility 
to lead all your creation. Verse 8, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the oceans. If God put man in this place to take a governing relationship. Man has been created and called to rule, but he himself has become a problem because he cannot rule himself. Called to rule the universe, the vast creation of God, but man ruins life as he becomes a selfish existence, unable to relate to his wife, to his children, to his church, to the present state of affairs, everything in chaos, everything in confusion. If, if you point to various directions, you have to go to the place that man is lost. He's confused about who he is and what God has called him to. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, listen, I told you these things that you might have peace. When God is addressing us, it's because he's bringing back the order of God so that we could walk in his purpose. All the confusion and the chaos is eliminated when we listen to God. When we begin to hear what God's heart and mind is for us, the Bible says, I tell you these things so that you might have peace. God's purpose for man is prosperity. In the world, there's going to be chaos and tribulation. There's going to be an atmosphere of confusion and chaos. Right now, if your children were to be instructed by the world, they would be so thoroughly confused, they could not take a step in any rightful direction. They would be lost in sin. Just do what feels right. Do what makes you happy. Don't deny yourself. Unleash in the pleasures of the flesh. And he says that leads to tribulation. But take courage, he says. For I have overcome the world. What's that mean? That God has a game plan that's greater than this world's game plan for our lives. I need to hurry up here. Matthew 24, 10. There's going to be a chaos in the world where many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. This is totally against the design of God. You're not to fall away. You're not to be disloyal. You're not to have offense towards one another. This is not God's creation. This is Satan stirring up the, uh, the pot in the last days. Everything will be chaotic and confusing outside of God's peace. He says in verse 11, many false prophets. The, it gives you the directives of why many have fallen away why many hate each other, why many betray, because of false leaders. They will arise and mislead many. So the devil's game plan in the last days is to have false leaders, false shepherds, false pastors to such an extent that no one will be able to walk in the directives of God. So to not have a false prophet is someone who will signal the way you should go after the heart of God. That you might be able to appreciate a pastor in Pastor Appreciation Month because it's a matter of life or death, order or confusion, light or darkness. You decide whether or not you're going to believe a liar or you're going to be led by the provisions of God. He says this expression of false prophets that will rise up in this atmosphere to mislead many will cause, verse 12, the love of many to grow cold. You're, listen, the purpose of a pastor is to, to be able to embolden and fan the flames of your passion for God. The purpose of a, of a preacher is to be able to get you to, to bring your, your life to account 
Bring your accounts before God and settle them before it's too late. In fact, I'm going to say, if you don't have a pastor, if you don't have somebody shepherding your soul, because the soul tends to, to fade away and to be distracted and led away, you need a preacher that will speak in your direction to capture the convictions of your heart. You need someone with the word of God that will be sharp, that will be able to divide from the difference between what is spiritual and what is the intentions of the heart, which is deceitful. So I don't want to be in this incredible responsibility that, that I stand between you and eternity. And if you're not listening to what I have to say, you've discounted my warnings for your life, then you have nobody else to sound the alarm. You have no one else to sound the trumpet call of God. The devil is doing a masterful work raising up false leaders so that you have a contention, and I'm going to say, so that you have a complaint about not getting serious with God. And you'll know that many men and women, when you talk to them about their relationship with God, they sit there and tell you, oh, I had a pastor who hurt my feelings. I had a pastor, I was going to a church, but they were preaching the wrong message. I had a pastor, but he didn't tell me, he didn't, he didn't show me. And so you're making your excuse to get right with God a man of God that would shepherd your soul in the last days. You have discredited the message of God because you have a contention against his vessel, his messenger, his shepherd. You see that those who have a good relationship with their pastor and are able to honor and to fear and to walk in subjection and obedience as to those that take care of your souls. The love of many will grow cold because of lawlessness. Verse 13, it's not those that grow cold and those that are focusing on lawlessness, but those who endure to the end who will be saved. And I'm asking you a question this morning. As we enter in Pastor Appreciation Month, I ask you the question, how is your relationship with the man of God he has placed in your life to oversee, to speak into your life the things that concern God. He's not going to be telling you about bookkeeping, about economics, about the stock market. He's not going to be a comedian to itch your ears, telling you things you want to hear. He's going to be what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 10, I sought delightful words to write words of truth in a manner that didn't offend. The preacher sought out a message that could be heard, that would be entertaining, that would be refreshing. In verse 11 it says, but I found out as I was seeking these words that were delightful that the words of a wise man are like goads. They prick you, make you feel uncomfortable to lead you in the way you should go. That's going to be my reward in heaven. If my words were adequate towards you, causing you to turn to God, to get right with God. Like the, the, the Bible says, like the masters that put together ships with well-driven nails. This is, should be the words given by a shepherd there to build your life up. And that's what we've been concentrating on for the past 23 years. A lot of people have not liked our disposition, our expression. I don't like the way you do things. And I ask them, well, how do you do things? And they say, I don't. I don't care about people. I don't shepherd. I don't have a church. That's not my priority. And then I say, well, I like the way I do it as best as I can. And unlike you who don't do it at all. That we might concern ourselves with the souls of men. And that's our highest responsibility and pursuit. That God has made us shepherds. We have not made ourselves shepherds. God has been faithful to provide 
these gifts to the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11 says, pastors and teachers and apostles, prophets and evangelists to be able to raise men and women. Verse 12, to the equipping of the saints to build up the body of Christ. We're not, we're not to be masterful in our ways in other directions, but we're to be serious about God. We're to be serious about getting your attention to be faithful to God because when all is said and done, when you're set in the balance, God only concerns himself with if you have been faithful to him, if you've served him diligently, if you haven't been lazy and distracted, if you haven't been hardened in your heart in unbelief. The Bible, in fact, says that would cause many of those who weren't able to enter into the promised land was due to their complaining. The Bible says because of their complaining, they decided that they would not enter in to the ways of the Lord. Acts 20, 28, we're instructed to keep watch over ourselves and the flock which God has given us. Our attention every day, I'm telling you, every day a pastor's heart is making sure he's faithful to God. Am I faithful to God? Have I listened to God? And I, am I living a life that follows God? I'm judged for many things, but ultimately the judgment will be, was I faithful shepherd amongst God's people? The Holy Spirit has made me to oversee the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It's, it's an incredible responsibility. The Bible says those that teach the word of God, those that lead in the affairs of God, have double judgment. One, because of yourself, and the other, you're responsible for the people that you lead. Romans 10, verse 12, as I see what God wants to do in, in life... We could go to verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the, the only men and women upon the earth that are going to be saved are those that call upon the name of the Lord. So I'm, I, I'm at an incredible responsibility to point men and women to call upon the name of the Lord. And the only way that they will ever call upon the name of the Lord, verse 14, is if somebody is able to talk to them. How will they call upon the one whom they have not believed in? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? The essential ingredient in the salvation of men and women is that they might hear not just any preacher, but a genuine preacher. An authentic, real, not the false prophet. That they might hear a real man of God preach the genuine gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Verse 15. If a preacher doesn't come along, how will they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful the feet of those who bring good news of good things. That's what we're talking about. Let's cut to the chase. What is God looking for? He's looking for a man willing to sit upon his throne together with him. It requires a discipleship, a molding, a teaching, an instruction, a capturing of the heart that men might draw near to God. You know, it's something, the stumblings of this might be lawless, reckless People that lead people astray. We talked about these five clouds without water, trees without fruit, hidden reefs. All the, the stumbling blocks that lay at the feet of men causing chaos and confusion. But ultimately the, 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 the murmuring, the complaining. Uh, men think if I have a good excuse to not follow God, then God will not hold me accountable. I could just tell God when I get to heaven, I had a horrible pastor. I had a terrible man who I wasn't able to honor. I wasn't able to learn the ways of the Lord. He wasn't an example to me. And the Bible says, Philippians 2.14, make sure you do all things without complaining. 
If the way you deal with life is murmuring, you have a complaint, you, you have a reason why you're not a man of God, why you're not faithful to the church, why you're not faithful in your giving, and you point to false prophets, look how they use the money and I don't agree with it, and I have a contention and I have a, a dispute and I have controversy. My friend, the devil has deceived you. You have fallen short. You're not prepared. You're not equipped. You're not at the stature and the measure and the fullness of a perfect man. You haven't done everything in love. You haven't done everything in the character disposition of service. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6, it says these things are a warning these things happened as an example for us. What things? That in the desert they were called to the promised land and they started murmuring. They started talking bad about Moses and about God and about the things that were there. They happened to us as an example so that we not desire evil things as they also went after. Verse 7. It says that they were not able to come in because they began to put priorities on idolatry. The people sat down to eat, to drink. When they stood up, they stood up to play, to entertain themselves. Verse 8, they did not come into the purpose of God because they acted immorally. 23,000 died in one day. Verse 9, they didn't come into the promised land because they tried the Lord. They tempted God and they were destroyed by serpents. Verse 10, they did not enter the promised land, the purpose of God, because they grumbled. They murmured. They had a secret complaint, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer in these days that verse 11 says that, that these things happen to them as an example written for our instruction because the end of the ages have come. At the very last part of our life upon the earth, you're going to want to hear a message like this one. What's it say? That there's a God and he has provided shepherds and men are on the weight of balance. They're in the controversy of either coming in to the purpose of God, to sit upon the throne of God, to rule and reign with Christ, or they fall short. They're lost. They fall into all manner of rebellion. As we read Numbers 14.1, the Bible says, look what happened to them. It's for our example that these things are written in which the ends of the ages come. The congregation was lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. There was a lot of grumbling, complaining. I want to say, uh, why don't you take your complaint before God and tell God, I forgive. I want to be restored. I want to be renewed. I want to be healed. I want my love to be fervent. I want my love to be urgent because it's a matter of life or death. The Bible says they wept all night. They lifted up their voices. Verse 2, all the Israelites murmured with discontent. I want you to focus upon why they were upset. They were upset against Moses and Aaron. Who were Moses and Aaron? They were the leaders God picked to lead them to the promised land. If the devil allows you to find offense with the person God has led to prepare you from the promised land, you're in trouble. That's the devil's scheme to wreck your future. And the whole congregation said, oh, we would that we had died in the land of Egypt. It was better that we never got saved. It was better we never came to church. That we had died rather in this horrible place. This was the journey they were leading to the promised land. Verse 3, they begin to blame the Lord. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? You talk bad about God's leader. You talk bad about pastors and those that have been entrusted with this work. 
you're going to ultimately complain about God. God is unfair. He would have provided a, a pastor like the Apostle Paul. My friend, you wouldn't even be able to bat a stick at being held accountable by men that laid down their lives for the cross. Men that were serious about the things of God. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it be better for us to go back to the world? And yet, there's many who have left the church and are in the world. They're engaging outside of the church. They're no longer a part of the church. They're pursuing the things of this life. They've put their heart and the things that are upon the earth. So this word is, listen, let's go to that place where the devil has lifted up a complaint against God. Let's find out if the devil was successful in allowing James chapter 4 verse 1, what leads to these conflicts? Why are so many people disgruntled? Is it not the source of your pleasure that wage war in your members? Isn't it true that when I preach a message against self, you're upset because now you have to crucify the self and its desires? Isn't it true that the pastor is calling you to a life in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh? And who wants to hear about that in a selfish day and age where people are indulging in the desires and the pleasures of self? They want to be disobedient to their parents. They want to be disobedient to their pastors and leaders. I, I have a list of things in the last days which show you what are the priorities and the pursuit of the people in the last days which caused this great crisis. The top 10 things that don't allow people to appreciate pastors. Number one, rebellion against authority. God has established pastors as your authority. I love people that says, pastor, look what the pastor in California is saying. Yeah, but he's not your pastor. Isn't that a problem? Oh, look what the pastor in South America is saying. Yeah, but he's not your pastor. Oh, look what the pastor down the street is saying. Guess what? He's not your pastor. You've been called to give double honor to your pastor. And you can't even give honor. Because you don't honor your parents. You can't walk in the character of Christ. You can't live in that disposition. It's easily for you to complain, for you to be offended, for you to be entertained and distracted and distanced. But the truth of the matter is that God has provided shepherds, and these shepherds are attentive to the character of man so that it does not conform to the last days of do what you want, how you want, where you want, when you want, with whom you want. You're not to choose these things. The Bible says choose wisdom. Choose the fear of the Lord. Choose to walk in a manner that honors God in heaven. So rebellion against authority becomes the first reason people cannot appreciate pastors. In a climate of rebellion and disobedience against all authority, pastors are on the list. Number two, the Bible says darkness shall increase for the lack of of instruction. If you go to 2 Chronicles 15:3, it says, For a long time the people of God had been without the true God. For a long time, Israel was without, listen, the true God. Why? Because they did not have a teaching shepherd. If you don't have someone to teach you rightly, you cannot serve God with the accurate measure. They were without a teaching priest, and they did not pay attention to the word. So that's what caused them to be without a true God. In other words, in other, for you to have the true God, you need to have proper teaching, and you need people to point you to the areas of the word of God like we're doing this morning, that you might consider walking away from rebellion and from hardship and offense because this is what causes man to stumble. Number three, the love of many will grow cold. There will be rebellion against authority. There will be increased lack of instruction. And then the consequence of the love of many growing cold. What's that mean? That you serve only yourself. Take, take a, a, a picture of your landscape 
And when you're the only one listening to you, you have a problem. You're not setting an example for anyone to follow. Why? Because your example is to serve no one but yourself. You don't move for anyone. You don't serve anyone. You don't participate with anyone. You shepherd yourself. Number four, you can't celebrate pastor appreciation because rebellion against authority, lack of instruction, your love has grown cold, selfishness marked by isolation. If you're far from a group of people that you serve, the legitimacy of your Christianity is gone. You cannot say that you know the Lord when you're not serving your brother. The last days will be an atmosphere of mockery. People have become increasingly cynical. You're the one that comes up with all the excuses why you will not participate in the work of the Lord with the man of God, with the people of God, in the house of God, in the ministries to serve the nations because you are God unto yourself. You've become cynical. You have become a mocker. Number six, family and marriage is out of the landscape. It's gone. You, you don't know what family is because you've betrayed your own family. You don't know what marriage is because you're on your fifth marriage. You don't know what covenant is. You cannot keep covenant. You have not been able to hold a family in a household. Church attendance and faithfulness is gone. You don't have what we're going to do this morning, celebrate the Lord's table. What does that mean? The Lord's table is the community of those that God has purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So we have all sorts of these television networks saying, listen, let's celebrate the Lord's table by yourself in your house alone. That contradicts the word of God. It goes against the spirit of the Lord's table. Deception will be prevalent. People will believe anything. I was seeing that these last days messianic gurus, they're raising up saying, I am Jesus Christ. And a horde of multitudes are moving in their direction, believing a lie. Why? Because the Bible says when you reject truth, God gives you over to believe a lie. I couldn't believe yesterday as I walked through the stores here in Miami, they've taken up half of Target, half of Walmart to plop down the ceremony of this month called Halloween. That in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of crisis, it's not going to stop their darkness from filling the earth. And, and the, the hordes, the multitude of parents that are all excited about their children participating in this ungodly holiday that celebrates darkness. Really? You have said that you don't want to serve the Lord, you don't want to enter into the light of his kingdom, but you want to celebrate darkness? Well, the climate is fit for such of these. Fear, anxiety, and worry. Psychiatric infirmities are through the roof. There's psychopaths running the streets. Earthly driven focus. When you have your mind on secular things, the Bible says the fool has God in none of his thoughts. I believe that's Psalm 14, verse 1. What's that mean? The fool says in his heart, there's no God. When you take the measure of the landscape in every direction, economic, social, you political, and you can't see God anywhere, you're a fool. And that's where we have arrived. Because we have said there is no God in any of the marketplace, none of the schools, not even the churches, they have become so secularized that they explain everything by physical phenomena and not by the hand of God. This makes you a fool. The problems in your life are not natural. They're supernatural. They don't concern mother nature. They concern father God. And when you begin to describe things in a secular mindset, you have been deceived and have become a fool rather than wise. There is none that does good when they walk in this mindset. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 
The end of all things is near. The end of all things is within hand. You can reach and fill everything I have talked about in today's message. You can see it. You can feel it. You can know it. The end of all things is near. So therefore, make sure you make good decisions. Be sober in spirit in the purpose of prayer. Begin to ask God to direct your steps. 2 Thessalonians 5.8 says, Above all things, allow your love to be so intense on fire. 2 Thessalonians 5.8. Above all things, allow your love to be fervent. Allow your love to be intense in the last days. For love will cover, I'm, I'm sorry, it was 2 Thessalonians 5, 8. The multitude of all these offenses will be covered by the intensity of your love, the fervency of your love, that you walk being hospitable. Serve one another without murmuring. Serve one another without taking issue and complaining. That you minister what God has given you in a manner that speaks about your faithfulness to God. I want to thank God for the pastors that he's put in this house. I want to celebrate them. I love the fact that they're faithful to God first. That they're exemplary in their marriages. That every single one of their marriages is attractive to their children. Saying, you know something, I want what my parents have. And that these children are walking in such a mindset. And it's a phenomena. Because the words they say are pastor's children. Not in this house. In this house we say the best are pastor's children. The children of those men who have been faithful and genuine to walk in the Lord. Not for a day. Not for a year. Not for two, uh, ten years. But for two decades. We've been faithful to God. We have shepherded the people of God. We have stood a standard in a manner which is honorable to God we want to walk in such a way that we honor God in all things we celebrate this month pastor appreciation month we thank God for men like pastor Richie Ray who led us to the Lord in 1983 we've been following his disposition his words his mindset his character, his marriage, his faithfulness to Jesus, his joy, his peace. We've fallen in faithfulness to the man who handed us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're walking in such a manner that we're honoring that legacy. We honor the men of God he's given us to fulfill the purpose of God. There are other men upon the earth. In Psalm 10 verse 4, the pride of the wicked man who brings up many issues in his face. He does not seek God. All his thoughts say there's no God. I don't have to get ready for God. I don't have to submit to God. I don't have to listen to his preachers. I don't need to appreciate pastors. I don't need to walk in that mindset. I want to tell you that if you fail to walk in the parameters of what we've shared this morning, you've missed the mark. And God wants you to mature and to grow and to be faithful to sit upon his throne. Let's ask the ushers to come forward as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And I, I want to say that this month we're, we're excited about celebrating Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I feel the love. I feel the embrace. I feel the encouragement to continue to shepherd God's people after 23 years in this church and five years before that. As I shepherded young people that know the Lord and serve the Lord and honor the Lord. And I'm excited about the rewards that are waiting for me in heaven. I'm excited about being faithful to the call of God to shepherd his people. Listen, I want to say this and I've said it many times. I'm not perfect. But you can guarantee I'm genuine. And I have a heart to be able to move forward with the call of God upon my life. And to help others get right with God before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Where you won't have an opportunity to hear my voice anymore. And you won't have an opportunity to get right with God and move in the direction of my preaching, my teaching, my instruction, my example. Let's pray for the Lord's table this morning.
Father, thank you that the Lord's table, which we celebrate every first Sunday of the month, is your provision to get right with you. Many have not celebrated the Lord's table in a long while because they've been cold in their walk, indifferent, distant, entertained. But once again, we have an opportunity to celebrate your victory. You have overcome the world. You have left a standard for us to follow. So bless this bread and bless the cup and make it nutritious to our bodies, O oh God, in the spirit. Allow us to be reconciled with God and reconciled with his people. That as you forgive us through the cup of the blood that was poured out, we might forgive others through the bread that was broken that we might be united. Your body was broken so that we might be united in love. Bless this table. Make it enriching to our lives. Heal our sicknesses, our disease. On the cross, by your stripes we were healed. And be glorified as we partake in a worthy manner of this table. In Jesus' name, we bless these elements. Amen. As we sing to the Lord, let's get our hearts right with God. And I don't know what the devil has provided for you to have contention. I don't know what the devil has done in your life so that you become a mocker and cynical and grow cold in your fervency and love for God. But today you have an opportunity to know that God has provided an instrument in his leaders, in his shepherds, in his pastors, that you might have a relationship with them and get right with God in Jesus' name. cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for and now my life is yours I will sing of your goodness forevermore worthy is your name
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat this my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself and not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if you would judge yourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we might not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, whenever you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if you're hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. The rest I will set in order when I come. Father, thank you for allowing us to celebrate the Lord's table. We pray that you forgive our sins. We purpose to be reconciled. We purpose to come back to the place where we're ready for your return. Bless this bread in Jesus' name we partake. Amen. You may partake. Lord, thank you for the blood of the Lamb that makes us white as snow. Jesus, you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We celebrate your victory on the cross. We partake in a manner, understanding that your blood cleanses us from all sin and righteousness in the flesh and in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, you may participate of the cup. In John chapter 10, verse 10, this is a verse that we celebrate a lot in our church, which says the thief come not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Usually we don't read the next verse, but God usually gives an answer to what we need to do following the instruction of a principle or truth. And verse 11, he says, the way to an abundant life is through a good shepherd. A good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In a relationship that God has provided shepherds is to care for the sheep. You know that you're a sheep in good standing when your relationship with a shepherd is upright. And the gift of God to his people that are in rebellion and in disobedience is seen there in Psalm 78, verse 70, where the Bible says that God appointed David to become a shepherd over Israel. He took him from behind the sheepfolds, verse 71, to become a shepherd of his people, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. And a shepherd's job, a pastor's job, is to deal with both the physical realm, verse 72, he shepherded according to the integrity of his heart and with the, he guided them with the skillfulness of hands. And so we desire above all that you be presented before God without spot, without wrinkle and blameless at his coming. And so Father, we pray as you have given your people shepherds that you give us the capacity to grow in wisdom, to move in maturity, insight, to be able to shepherd according to the integrity of the heart, but also with the skillfulness of hands. Allow us, Father God, to move in the direction that there is a people that is prepared to give you all the glory and all the praise right before your throne. 
that we not fall short and be wanderers and lost, that we not be filled with excuses of murmuring, grumbling, complaining, that we not be discontent and that the fervency of our love not grow cold. We pray that we might honor, that we might walk in such a way that we might praise you for your faithfulness and your gifting to the body of Christ. We glorify you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. See you on Wednesday night. We're looking forward to many more men signing up to go to this men's conference. If you need someone to contact for registering, uh, contact Brother George Carrigal, and he is responsible for making sure that everyone is properly registered. God bless you.